0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up.
2: Start your
0: VGR!
1: For the next hour, the airwaves belong to
0: you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning race fans, 1102 here on WGR Sports Radio 550 and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always and give yourselves a round of applause after New York. What a what a gorgeous weekend, man. Can you what just unbelievable after some of the uh, torrential rains we've had this year, miserable weather. A little cold on Friday, a little cool on Friday I should say, but but yesterday was gorgeous, today's looking even better, so uh, enjoy this one today, Western New York. You guys deserve it. Uh, coming up on today's show, we got lots to talk about. NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, local racing. Uh, we're going to try and hit it all today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to Alan Kavana from uh, Fox Sports, the uh, SU grad, Buffalo Bills fan. He is uh, going to join us here in about 12 minutes or so to talk about all things NASCAR. And as uh, the NASCAR... Monster Energy Cup Series is in Pocono today for uh, today's Overton's 400, which you'll hear right here on WGR coverage coming up uh, just after 2 o'clock, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. And uh, kind of a different schedule this week for the Cup Series as they are qualifying and racing on Sunday. It's been – I don't even know if this has ever happened in recent memory with the Cup Series qualifying and uh, racing on the same day. Um but uh, as we're on the air, the second half of the show, 11.30, that's when qualifying starts at Pocono. So we'll try and keep you updated on who will be possibly on the poll for today's race. And then a green flag just after 3 o'clock this afternoon. So we'll talk to Alan Cavana from Fox Sports uh, about uh, today's race at Pocono, some silly season moves this week, and uh, we'll touch all the bases with him. Also coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh we'll... Revisit last week's race at the Brickyard for NASCAR, plus some more stuff relating to Indianapolis with Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star. Uh, Jim covers motorsports for that paper. Uh, Been a a busy week for him as uh, not only covering the Brickyard 400 last Sunday, but also this week IndyCar debuting a uh, new car for 2018. A a little bit sleeker, a little more safer. It looks real good. They did some on-track testing, and the folks from IndyCar were uh, very pleased with the results. So we'll talk to Jim about that. Plus, he's at Mid-Ohio today for today's IndyCar race uh, over at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Complex. So a busy busy weekend of racing, and f- we'd love to hear from you as well, too. Phone lines are open here, 803 phone lines are open if you want to jump in on anything going on in the world of motorsports please feel free to share on this beautiful sunday morning Uh, also we're on twitter at fast track 550 and facebook.com slash wgr fast track just just six shows to go here on the season uh, including today's show as you heard in the update of course bill's training camp in full swing Uh, Nate and Sale will be coming live from camp after we're off the air, so you know now that training camp has started for the Bills, you know our time is almost up, so uh, you got today plus five more Sundays to spend with us, uh, here on WGR, so I hope uh, you enjoy the program today. Uh, starting out last weekend in Indianapolis, the Brickyard 400, what a, uh, a crazy race, but I'll tell you what, as much as you don't like to see crashes and guys potentially get hurt, uh... You know what? That was a fun year Brickyard. That was maybe the, the funnest Brickyard 400 in quite a few seasons just because of how uh, nuts so it got there at the end. I mean, it was your typical Brickyard 400 for the good first, you know, two-thirds or so of the race until that restart when Kyle Busch tried to go to the inside of Martin Truex and wound up taking those two out and uh, totally uh, changed the course of that race because it was just the 18 and the 78 stinking up the show like they do a lot because uh, they're the two, you know, two strong performing cars, obviously. But uh, those two were just dominating the day, and it looked like it was maybe going to just be them blowing everybody's doors off. But then, you know, Kyle got aggressive on the restart. And uh, after that, everybody just kind of lost their minds for the last 50 laps because restarts became very crucial. That's obviously the best opportunity to, you know, to complete a pass. And then we saw some some big wrecks and some crazy incidents inside those final uh, 50 laps or so. You had the big crash on the front stretch with, uh, Clint Boyer and Kurt Bush. That was a scary hit for Kurt Bush, especially when you see it from that helmet cam footage, uh, as he T-bone Boyer on the front straightaway. And then they went back to racing, and then Kyle Larson's car hit the wall. He started on fire. Then they went back to racing again. And then Jimmy Johnson, how about the effort he made trying to go three wide? Looked like the car was blowing up. He was going three wide with, uh, with, uh, Keslowski and Blaney there, and he spun out. And then you, uh, and then you slid two more, two more wrecks after that. You had the the uh, the best the botched start with uh, Trevor Bain and a couple other cars piling up as they tried to restart the race for the first overtime attempt. And then in overtime on the back straightaway, you had the big crash uh, as Denny Hamlin uh, getting together with Paul Menard and others, and uh, just uh, an insane uh, final stretch. And, uh, it obviously dragged the race out, unfortunately, as, as the race, you know, went over six, maybe even seven hours because of, uh, the, the rain delay early in the race and then all of these wrecks that required lengthy cleanups, uh, at the end. And eventually they were just, they were running out of daylight there at the brigade because no lights. And, uh, Casey Kane wound up winning the race. How about that? Uh, for all the talk uh, about his future with Hendrick Motorsports and, uh, you know, and it will he be bought out. Will he be back in the five car next year? Is it too, was it, is it too, too much, uh, too little, too late though for the five team and Casey Kane, but managed to get the win. He and Keith Rodden, they called a great race. Uh, Casey was one of the cars trying to stretch it there on fuel before all the accidents happened in those final, uh, 20 laps or so. They came down pit road with about 20 to go and that really, uh set them up beautifully with all the cautions put them at the front of the field for those final restarts and uh, you know he held off Brad Keselowski to get the win and Kane becomes the 12th different driver to win in the cup series this year and continues to put a further crunch on those guys trying to uh get in those final few spots and we're now down to only four drivers um that can make the playoffs on on points here with you know about 6 7 races to go in the regular season and uh, Matt Kenseth continues to to just kind of pad himself. He's been on the bubble, and even after Denny winning, uh, Denny Hamlin winning, and now Casey winning, he continues to be that bubble driver in on points. And that bubble's getting bigger for Matt because now he's up 33 points uh, on the next driver not in on points, which would be Clint Boyer Now, and uh, you know Matt's almost got a, a race worth of a buffer uh, over uh, over over Clint Boyer, and the rest of the drivers trying to make it in on points. So if it stays. At twelve winners for the rest of the year, you know nobody else. Nobody else gets their first win of the season. You know Matt could be sitting pretty unless he has a total meltdown in these final few races. But another winner or two, and he he could be uh, be the next one scrambling uh, for a position. But I'll tell you the the worst the. the As crazy and as as fun as the Brickyard 400 was, uh, I didn't like the finish because of the overtime line. I, uh, I like, I like the overtime concept. The, the race must finish under green, white checkered, must finish under green. I love that. I, I know people wanna, a lot of talk this week, people wanna revert back to how they used to do it where you run the distance the distance uh, the advertised distance of the race no matter what and if you under under caution big deal that's how we did it for you know 50 60 years i get that but i like that they get to finish under green what i don't like is the overtime line that they've brought in in the last year or so you know i thought they had it fine with the overtimes uh the overtime rule as it was you know if you only want to do it three times fine but try and run finish the race under green but i think the overtime line is just put in the most ridiculous spot on the racetrack. Uh, you can barely get a lap in um, before you cross the overtime line. And then, you know, and NASCAR, maybe they didn't do it on purpose, but the, the, the wreck happened on the last lap there with Denny Hamlin, and the five car hadn't hit the overtime line. And really, they could have put the caution out before the five hit the overtime line, and they didn't. They waited for whatever reason, whether it's, they were just—they just wanted to get the race over with because it was getting dark, or if they were waiting to see if they could try and finish the race, uh, w- despite whatever was going on behind the leaders. And they put it out after he crossed the overtime line. And I just—I uh, think the overtime line is ridiculous because it's such a short window to try and get the the overtime um, finished. And you know, I, I wish they would just go back to you know three attempts or unlimited attempts, even at a green-white-checker. And as long as they haven't taken the white flag, I understand, you know, after they take the white flag and a caution happens and you want to end the race, they're fine. But, you know, the overtime line is ridiculous. Let them get a full lap, at least, to try and get back to the white, you know, and then if if stuff happens on the last lap, uh, if the leaders are past it, then they can at least race back to the checkered flag. Or if it's an emergency, then you put it out and have them race uh to the or have it put out the caution and end the race there. But at least let them get to the white flag instead of this half lap, two thirds of a lap. Uh, you know, even at a big track like in Indianapolis, I, I still thought it was ridiculous. You know, maybe the restrictor plate tracks would are, are, maybe you keep it for the overtime line rule for the restrictor plate tracks just because uh, those tracks have the propensity to create bigger wrecks that you know could possibly lead to injuries. But uh, I think uh, get rid of the overtime line and go back to how it first was, where. Um, you got three attempts on the green white checker, and um, you know, and, and if they take the white flag and then the yellow flag comes out after the white comes out, you end the race fine. Uh, that's that's how I'd be with it. But I think the uh, the overtime line is just uh, just garbage. <laughs> and it was the drivers that came up with it too. It was the drivers' council that you know talked NASCAR into into doing this rule after kind of the the fiasco at, at Talladega a couple years ago, um, but. And now drivers complain about it and it was their idea, especially uh, Brad Keselowski. So I, I would just do away with the overtime line. Go back to how it was. Um, if you really want to go back and just finish races under caution, fine. But I would rather stick with the overtime plan and just ditch the line there. 803 eight oh three oh five fifty one 550 But again, huge win for Casey Kane. Now he's got himself in the chase. Will he be much of a factor? We'll wait and see. Um and he was the only uh, Hendrick car to uh, kind of survive survive the day uh, at Indianapolis last week. Jimmy Johnson, of course, had his late race spin. Dale Jr. Uh, hit the wall or got the front end knocked in, and it kind of blew up the radiator on the 88 car. And then Chase Elliott was involved in the crash. So, uh, for once, it was the the five car, you know, getting the best finish out of all the uh, Hendrick cars. Uh, already this weekend, some uh, exciting news for racing fans in the Northeast over at Pocono. With the Xfinity race yesterday, how about Ryan Priest getting his first career Xfinity series victory yesterday? Uh, not at Pocono, excuse me, Iowa. He won the race at Iowa. Uh, the trucks were at uh, Pocono yesterday. That's where I got confused because I caught the end of the, the truck race yesterday. Didn't get to see much of the Xfinity series race, but, uh, yeah, at Iowa yesterday, uh, Ryan Priest from Connecticut. Uh, getting the win, actually, uh, w- remember we had David Gravel on a couple weeks ago. He actually gave Ryan a shout-out after his strong run uh, at Kentucky in his, uh, or excuse me, in Loud New Hampshire with his first start in the Joe Gibbs Racing entry. And then he bounced and he comes back at Iowa yesterday, wins the pole, and uh, wins the race for his first career Xfinity Series race. Great to see for Ryan. Uh, of course, last year he ran a modified race in Lancaster. We had him on the show uh, last year. And uh, you know, last year, he was driving full-time with the, the JD Motorsports team, which is kind of one of the the lower-end teams on the Xfinity Series. This year, uh, opted not to run with that team again. He wanted to find better equipment and uh, wasn't running full-time the Xfinity Series, doing the modified thing again, running NASCAR Modified races and some other uh touring series in the northeast but then this deal comes along to drive two two races for Joe Gibbs Racing uh I would assume uh Ryan it, it appears just judging by the sponsors on the car that that Ryan must have brought some money to this deal because of seeing Mohawk Northeast on the car and, and uh uh Fallmouth Ready Mix and some other uh, New England based sponsors I'm assuming that maybe uh Ryan had to bring some money to the deal but still fantastic showing what a talent you know that young man is uh Obviously, it helps being in top-flight equipment, but uh, if you're in that car, then you should win. And you know, Ryan did yesterday, so I thought that was great to see a, a modified guy getting some success on the national level. You know, um, so much of the the driver talent these days in NASCAR comes from the sprint car world and late models. You know, in the '80s, it, the modifieds were the the hot the hot brand of racing to bring drivers up. Whether it's the Bodines or the Bouchards. You know, back then, but we haven't had a, a lot of national level success for modified drivers in, in recent years. So it was good to see uh, Ryan Priest get the win yesterday at Iowa in the standalone Xfinity Series race, not Pocono, as I uh, incorrectly identified it earlier. Uh, let's go to the at hotline and bring in from Fox Sports and NASCAR Race Hub. Alan Kavana joins us once again. Alan, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Good
1: morning. Good to be on. Love Buffalo. Love the Northeast. That's where I'm from, obviously, as you know. It's good to be on, and go build.
0: Yeah, like we were just talking about Ryan Priest getting the win in the Xfinity Series race yesterday. A great day for uh, your home state of Connecticut, Alan.
1: Ab- absolutely, and it's good to see a young driver get an opportunity like that. And I heard you talking about it. You were right. He had to bring money. He had a choice. He had hundreds of thousands of dollars in sponsorship money. This is how the sport works nowadays. Mm-hmm. He could have probably done 8 to 10 races in a, for a smaller team in a much slower car with worse equipment. Or he could have done two with Joe Gibbs Racing. And in those two races, he finished second and first. It's a tough choice for him because those may be the only two races he gets this year. But he bet on himself, and he went out and won. And, you know, you always wonder if it's driver or equipment. I guarantee you there are many, many drivers who could have gone in that car and not won that race yesterday. So I always tip the scales at least 51-49 toward the driver, if not more 60-40. But Ryan Priest did what he had to do in the equipment that he earned and got the win yesterday. It was really cool to see for a young driver.
0: Yeah, I mean, he showed last year, too, in the zero one one that he could have some good runs in that type of equipment. You know, even at mid-Ohio, in the rain last year, he was running up front a little bit, too. So uh, he showed some flashes last year, and uh, I knew if, if he was in the right equipment, he he could excel, and he did that yesterday.
1: Absolutely, and that's what's so tough. I mean, you look at the field today in the, in the Monster Cup Series race, you know, that we'll have on level C of Pocono, there, there's no bad drivers. It's just that not everyone is in the same equipment with the same level of funding. You know, all these drivers, as they come from the local levels, they're all good where they're from. And mm-hmm. coming up through the ranks, it's tough to get that funding. Not everyone is at equal equipment. So when you do see someone in superior equipment and see what they can do with it, you get a much better appreciation for the talent that really is out there.
0: Alan, let's talk about uh, today here at Pocono, and the first time this season we're trying out this new schedule with qualifying and the race for the Cup Series on the same day. We see it a lot with the Xfinity and the in the Truck Series, of course, but uh, what do you think about it, applying the schedule to the Cup Series today at Pocono and also next weekend at Watkins Glen?
1: Yeah, it's something different, and you know it's odd to talk. You know, We're talking before the race. I can't even really handicap the field too much because we don't know who's on the pole yet. They're yeah. starting about 12 minutes to start qualifying and everything. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good experiment. NASCAR needs to try different things and they want to try different things, whether it be, uh, you know, for the, the TV networks that have some suggestions or for the fan experience. You know, if you're a fan there, you get a, you, get, you really get a full day. Remember, the race doesn't start until 3 o'clock. If you're a fan, you can get there, what, at 8, 9 in the morning, mm-hmm. qualifying, you see your cup stars on the track for, you know, more than you would the normal price of a ticket. Um, there's going to be goods and bads to it, of course, but you know it's good that they're experimenting. And I know that the teams that are involved, the teams and the drivers and uh, the mechanics and everybody who are on the road 38 weeks a year, they like the extra day at home that they they didn't they don't normally have. They get to you know travel to the track on Friday. So there's a balance for everyone involved in the sport, and that's what NASCAR is trying to figure out right now.
0: Um. Of course, the 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 best news is that weather doesn't appear to be impacting the schedule at all uh, this weekend at Pocono. I think last year both of their races were postponed to Monday, and this year uh, the the uh, Dalski family and the folks there, at Pocono, they seem to have hit the jackpot with the weather here in 2017.
1: Yeah, it's always a dice roll out there. Remember last year it went to Monday, and then the race ended because of the fog yep. came in. It was like a <laughs> horror movie. Well, not really a horror. Well, not for Chris Busher anyway. Young Chris Busher ended up getting the win because the fog rolled in. Look, that's what's tough, uh, that's what makes NASCAR unique in terms of, uh, it can be affected by the weather. You you can be that fan that goes and has the unfortunate experience of having a rain out. Uh, it's one of the challenges for NASCAR. So when the, you know, when the Lord is smiling and has sunshine at Pocono and for the nicest day apparently reported there in a long time. Um, you know, chalk one up in the good, the good column for NASCAR fans because they're going to have a great day out there.
0: Well, you said you couldn't really handicap the field because we haven't done qualifying yet, but I'm going to ask you to try and do it anyway. The You know, the Ganassi cars and the Gibbs cars top the uh, the final practice charts, and uh, uh, Kyle Larson obviously uh, looking to uh, get the points lead back from Martin Truex. Uh, without seeing qualifying, uh, who are some of the drivers you're going to be watching today?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd be foolish to, to pick against the two Kyles, Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson. Larson is good everywhere. Kyle Bush I mean, has almost been Kyle Larson, just doesn't have the wins yet. I mean, all the second-place finishes that and so close calls that Kyle Bush has and the woulda, coulda, shouldas. I, you'd be foolish not to pick Kyle Bush and I think it's one of the one few tracks he has never won at, which is uh, certainly something he wants to in-cup anyway, that he wants to check off the list. Uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle, and Martin Shurek Jr. would have to be the three favorites just about any weekend this year. And um, and then you got to go into the long shots. So the desperation, the people who really need something to happen, I'm thinking like Clint Boyer and Joey Logano. If I had to pick between those two drivers, I think Logano has a good day in Pocono. Of
0: course, the most uh, recent winner at Pocono, Ryan Blaney. Uh, part of some major news this week, Alan. Uh, the, the silly season went into full effect this week, and we got a few more seats for 2018 sewed up. Brett Kozlowski uh, re-upping with Penske, Blaney going to Penske in a third car, and then Paul Menard, the, the, maybe the biggest move that is uh, him going from RCR, he'll be taking over the 21 car at the Wood Brothers in 2018. Uh, what did you think uh, of the uh, silly season moves this week?
1: Yeah, we had, we covered this fully on Race Up. It was a big story this week on FS1 in terms of, uh, look, Blaney has never been very far outside of the Penske umbrella. We've known that, but to make the decision to bring you know a full third team and expand like that, that that's a huge decision for a team. I mean, that means hiring more personnel, more of everything, and that means more sponsorship, which they haven't announced yet. But they, they wouldn't do it without a, without having at least something in place. I would expect some some Menards branding to be on the Blaney car at least for for some of 2018. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like a positive for everybody. I mean, having Blaney under the umbrella. Think of the three drivers they have. Logano, Kislowski, and Ryan Blaney tied up for the next few years. Average age of those drivers, 27 years old. They are good, and they are young and fast all at the same time. That is not a combination we see much in NASCAR. Roger Penske even been doing his homework. Very good.
0: Uh, of course, Allen of Fox Sports, the home for the the Cameroil Truck Series. They had the race yesterday from Pocono, and uh, Christopher Bell picking up his third win of the year. Uh, who do you think lands in the Cup Series first, uh, not not maybe based on talent, but maybe based on open seats, but who do you think graduates out of the Truck Series first, Christopher Bell or William Byron? Who do you think we'll see in a Cup car first?
1: Oh, that's tough. That, oh, That's a great question, only because they're, they're you know— Manufacturers, Toyota can come in and sort of pull some strings, and much like Chevy could if they wanted to, but Toyota does more of that in the in the racing world, if you will. Um, don't forget that with eric Jones moving over to the 20 car for mm-hmm. racing, that leaves the 77 car open. There's still some questions up in the air. Will will they even run the 77 car next year? Uh, you know, there has to be sponsorship. There has to be a driver. And it's a Toyota ride, obviously. So the next thing to come up, I mean, the next driver in the Toyota pipeline, you'd have to imagine, would be Christopher Bell. And there seems to be a seat open if they could make it work financially. What we can't say is if there's a seat open for William Byron right now on right. the heavy side, on the Hendricks side. There are still some rumors out there about the five. Casey Kane says he is signed through 2018. You never know what that actually means. You know, just because he's signed doesn't mean he'll actually drive the car. You know he may just get paid and to um, do something else. I'm just speculating, but there 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 is a lot of talk in the garage. But um, that's a great question, Byron or Bell. uh, You know you've heard speculation if if the five comes open, why wouldn't you move William Byron up? That would be what I would say. Why wouldn't you put William Byron in a car? If I was a GM and I had to pick between the two, I would pick William Byron for Cup readiness over Christopher Bell at the moment
0: all right Alan Cavana from Fox Sports are you pushing for an assignment next weekend at Watkins Glen so you can sneak over to Bill's training camp push for
1: it I already got it all All right right, man (laughs) I can't wait I love Watkins
0: Glen love that time of the year and
1: uh yeah I guess I guess you did point out the Bills will at the same time over uh up in Rochester right
0: yep at St. John Fisher
1: Yeah, can't wait. I went there one time in the early 2000s and remember seeing uh, Drew Bledsoe and Travis Henry run by, and uh, the the team's a lot better than they were. So I'm hopeful for this year. I'm always hopeful as a Bills fan. I'm hoping for good things this year.
0: Uh, NASCAR Race Hub, you can catch it weekdays at six PM on Fox Sports One. That's where you can see Mr. Cavana's smiling face on your TV. You can also find him on Twitter at Copa Cavana. Alan, uh, hopefully, uh uh hopefully run into you at the media center next Sunday at Watkins Glen, and thank you for the time this morning.
1: Look forward to it. Always always enjoy coming on and uh watch NASCAR Race Hub and go Bill.
0: All right, take care, Alan. <laughs>
1: see
0: ya. Alan Cavana, Fox Sports One, uh SU grad, and uh one of the many Bills fans in the uh NASCAR garage. Uh we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about last week's Brickyard Race and also look ahead to 2018 for the IndyCar Series with Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star. That's coming up next here on Fast Track.
2: Hi, this is Dylan Hart Jr., driver of the Nationwide Exalta Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550.
0: Final start at Pocono coming up for Junebug. Won there recently. Could he... It, could it, Shock the world here and, and get a win and, and qualify for the playoffs here in his final season. Might be one of his last best bets to do it here in the uh, 2017 regular season. Qualifying underway for the uh, Cup Series at Pocono right now. Just a few cars uh, taking to the track in round one. It's the uh, t- uh, traditional uh, knockout qualifying. So, uh, But that is uh, going on right now, and uh, we'll try and keep you updated here. Uh, for the rest of our hour here on WGR Sports Radio 550, it is Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track, in case I didn't mention that. Uh Coming up again at the top of the hour, uh, we'll hand things off to Sal Capaccio and Nate Geary, live from Bill's Camp at St. John Fisher. And uh, yeah, only four cars on track right now in the opening round of qualifying. Ryan Blaney, Casey Kane, Paul Menard, and Eric Almarola. So still lots to do. Over there at uh, Pocono for today's Overton's 400, which, again, you'll hear right here on WGR after are done at 2 o'clock. Uh, the Motor Racing Network will pick up the broadcasting baton and uh, take you flag to flag for today's race from Pocono, we're going to be talking to uh, Jim Iello from the Indianapolis Star here in just a minute. IndyCar at Mid-Ohio today for the Honda Indy 200. Will Power is on the poll. Joseph Newgarden will share the front row with him. Uh, Takuma Sato, Graham Rahal, Elio Castroneves, Scott Dixon, Simon Pagino, James Hinchcliffe. And Ryan hunter Ray are your top 10 starters today at uh, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Complex for the Verizon IndyCar Series. And with that, we'll go to the AT&T hotline and bring in from the Indianapolis star, Jim Iello joins us on the line. Jim, it's uh, always great to get some new guests here on the program. Thank you for the time this morning. It's great to talk to you.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Are you at Mid-Ohio right now? I am. Can you hear the cars behind me?
0: <laughs> uh, no, that'll be a cool effect, though, if we hear it in the background. No, but uh, uh, great to talk to you. Before we get to IndyCar, Jim, uh, real quick, we'll just swing back to last Sunday. Of course, you covered the Brickyard 400 uh, for NASCAR there at Indianapolis, and uh, well, it, it was it was a lot more entertaining race than the last few Brickyard 400s. Things certainly got nuts there at the end with all those crashes. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yes, it was entertaining. Is probably the right way to put it. Uh, I don't know that it was necessarily. Great racing. Um, but it was it was interesting to watch after, you know, the six hour affair that we had there. But yeah, lots of crashes and made for some interesting restarts. Unfortunately by the end it was uh couldn't really get a lot of racing done, but we did get a winner. So <laughs> we got it and we got it before it got too dark. So that was I guess that was a good
0: uh, is the reputation for that race in the Indianapolis market is it is it as down as it is nationally? It seems. What NASCAR fans? What what is the the reputation of that race with the local fan base there at the Brickyard?
2: Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not great. I mean, it's honestly, everybody that I've spoken with spoke to a lot of fans during the weekend. It's just uh, they haven't seen a lot of good racing recently. Um, it's been kind of non-competitive with Bush running away with the last couple, and then this one. I mean, this one was more entertaining, certainly, but um i think you saw by the uh, by the, the crowd size and IMS does a lot too. i mean it's a huge place He's you know yeah. 140 250,000 people so the optics are never going to be good but it didn't look like there was any more than 30 or 35,000 people in that place so obviously the reputation isn't great isn't where it needs to be they're not happy with the racing they all, I did you know talk to some fans that were happy with what they saw the Xfinity race on Saturday and think maybe that if uh, if they made some of those changes made the racing a little bit closer they could, um, they could bring some fans back, bring a little excitement back.
0: How about for next year with the race moving to September and the end of NASCAR's regular season, uh, with it hopefully being a little bit cooler in Indianapolis that time of year? Um, do you think that, that that will generate a little bit more buzz?
2: Yeah, you know, I talked to some fans and they're happy it'll be cooler, but that's not why they weren't coming. It wasn't because they were hot. I mean, obviously it wasn't great that it was so hot. And September should be just a little bit cooler, 7 or 8 degrees cooler. But, uh, no, the, re- the biggest reason... That they were they were not coming because it wasn't good racing. But yeah, like I said, I mean this should be it should be helpful to have um, to have the race kind of be the season ender and crown a regular season champion and add a little drama. The guys trying to fight for trying to fight to get in the chase. So it should be interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it'll bring a lot more fans in, but it should bring in some. But honestly, the at the end of the day, they need to fix the racing, and that's that will bring fans back. And,
0: and hopefully, the Colts don't have their home opener the same day next year.
2: <laughs> yeah, the IMS has been speaking with uh, with the Colts about that, and have politely request colts talk to the nfl about that and say you know maybe in 2018 maybe the colts are away you know or maybe they play on thursday night opening, opening weekend i mean there's only so much the nfl or the colts can do and and the, you know the colts don't really have any motivation to, to do that so yeah they got the kindness of their hearts to, to do that but um dr doug Bowles, president of IMS, and he said if it happens to be a home game they'll, they'll try to do some cross promotion and and we'll try to work together on making it a fun uh, fun Sunday for everybody for, for both IMS and for the Colts.
0: Well, it would be easy for the NBC folks if the Colts had, like, Sunday night that week. They could just, you know, pick up their the trucks and just drive across town, right?
2: <laughs> Slide right on over. I have yep. uh, some good ideas. Colts People that bring their Colts tickets to IMS get in free or yeah. something like that. It would be kind of an interesting little a little situation
0: there so we'll see <laughs> uh jim well of course right after the nascar folks moved out on sunday uh early this week the indycar folks uh came back to the brickyard and they were showing off the new uh new 2018 uh, aero kit the new 2018 car for the indycar series and it, it seemed like it's a little more sleeker and a little more safer uh from uh you seeing it firsthand what did you think of the new indycar
2: you nailed two of them for sure. I think a little sexier too, honestly. The car looks a lot like some of those cars we saw back in the '90s that were—they just kind of look like race cars. Like, we had Graham Rahal here at Mid Ohio was telling us that—that's um, what—that's exactly what he thought. He's like, it just looks like a race car. He thought over the last 10 to 15 years, the car kind of got uglier and, mm-hmm. weaker, and he said this is kind of a nice return to what a race car should look like. And then, of course, like you said, he was very happy about the safety. Um, Jay Fry wouldn't, uh, president of uh, competition for IndyCar, wouldn't go as far as to say it would have prevented the accidents um, that happened to James Pinchcliff and Sebastian Bourdais, those recent bad uh, accidents those guys got into. But he said it would have probably reduced the severity of them. So they're all excited about um, the enhanced protection in the side intrusion panels there. So that they're, they're very excited about that, and um, they're excited about the racing. Uh, from what everybody understands, and from what Oriol Servia and Juan Pablo Montoya were telling everybody, this should generate. The more downforce coming from the bottom of the car should generate some closer racing, especially on street and road courses, while also not tampering with what we've seen on ovals because the Indy 500 has been so, so good the last few years. Um, they, they haven't they, they are fairly certain they haven't messed with that, and they think they're going to get a lot closer racing on street and road courses. So, I mean, it's early days, but all is looking good so far for the new car.
0: Jim Aiello from the Indianapolis Star joining us here in WGR's Fast Track. Uh, we now can hear the race cars behind you there at uh, Mid-Ohio. And uh, the race today, uh, I was reading uh, one of your preview columns over there at the Indy Star website, and, and you think uh, today look, shaping up to be a good day for the Penske bunch.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously now they have the front two spots. Will Power won another poll is a big surprise to nobody. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, they'll be joined up there with New Garden, and there's a couple Hondas around for sure, and there's some guys that definitely ran, Ray Hall is in his home state can definitely uh, can definitely have a good day today. But yeah, Penske's just—they've been so good on road courses this year, and what we saw in practice and what we saw during qualifying was um, not all that surprising. I, other than Simon Pagenaud, I was a little surprised he didn't make it to the fast six, but uh, other than that, it was pretty much what I expected to see out of the Penske this weekend.
0: Coming down to the wire here for the Verizon IndyCar Series and uh, four drivers within uh, shouting distance. Your top four in points separated by uh, just 20 points here with uh, today at Mid-Ohio and then just uh, four races after that, including a trip up here to Watkins Glen. Uh, do you th- Can Dixon maybe fend off the invading Penske drivers atop the point standings, or, or how do you handicap these four drivers with just five races to go?
2: Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's, it's going to come down to those. Those five probably not to discount Graham Ray Hall or, or Takuma Tukumasa who are right floating around there, but and Ray Hall could throw himself back in the mix, but he'll need a lot of he need a lot of help with some of the other guys maybe having some bad weekends. Um so yeah, I think it's I'm not gonna say it's Dixon's championship to lose, but a guy that talented who's got the reputation of being kind of a, a second half surger, and this is a guy who was leading the championship in the first half, so if that's your reputation, that's pretty good. Um but yeah, and like I said he's won this he's won this race five times. So I, I think it's yeah, I, I hesitate to think it's his to lose, but I, I, I don't. I think Dixon is definitely the favorite going forward, and um, I would say Joseph Newgarden, Pagano, um, those two guys are probably right, right, and Tier two, maybe along with Elio, uh, depending on how the, the how this race shapes up. But yeah, it's like I said, it's probably going to come down to the four Penske's um, and, and Scott Dixon for the championship. Which is not, like I said, it's not a big surprise to anybody when we enter the year. This is, this is something that's the cream of the crop.
0: Sure. Well, Jim, uh, between the Brickyard and, and the uh, the the Arrow kit test this week, I want to say I really enjoyed your content over on the 80 Star website, both uh, in text and the videos you guys do is some really uh, good viewpoints and appreciate the content this week.
2: Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it.
0: And thank you for the time. Again, great ta- getting a chance to talk to you. And uh, maybe we'll hope. Will you be going to Watkins Glen uh, later this year? I, I will. I I'll be there. Well, hopefully we'll run into you up there. Thank you for the time this morning. Anytime. Thanks very much. All right. Jim Aiello from the uh, Indianapolis Star, uh, com, And you can also follow him on Twitter, uh, at Jim Aiello, J-I-M-A-Y-E-L-L-O. And, uh, yeah, they do, they, uh, he and, uh, his colleagues, they do some great content, uh, not only writing, of course, as journalists do, but, uh, in this modern age, you need to do some video content. And, uh, they do some, uh, good stuff there as well with, uh, their video work, uh, over at the, uh, Star website. Um, NASCAR qualifying still going on. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have the graphics in front of me on the uh, the NBCSN uh, broadcast, but at last look, Daniel Suarez was uh, fastest in round one. Uh, if, if we uh, get the graphics back up on the screen, uh, we will uh, pass that along, the latest updates for you there. Uh, NHRA is in uh, Sonoma this weekend, and uh, Leah Pritchett, uh, your top qualifier in top field, Robert Heighton, Funny Car, Drew Skillman in pro stock. Uh Dan Fletcher, uh, we talked about him all, all this year, of course, getting win n- number 100. Well, he got win 101 last weekend at, at Bandemir, Colorado. Uh, he is now up to 101 national event wins, as uh, after going from February to July, trying to go from 99 to 100, he's now gone from uh, 100 to 101 in just a couple of weeks. So, uh, Fletcher, Dan Fletcher, uh, congrats to him picking up his uh, 101st national event career win in NHRA. Uh, Five and a half minutes left in opening round of cup qualifying. Martin Truex right now fastest in round one. Suarez, Blaney, McMurray, Larson, your top five. Kane, Keslowski, Hamlin, Harvick Newman, your top ten. And AJ Allmendinger right now on the bubble to advance to uh, round two of qualifying uh, for uh, the Monster Energy Cup Series at Pocono again today. They are qualifying before the race. It is a new uh, schedule format that they're trying out. They will do it uh today at Pocono, next Sunday at Watkins Glen as well too. And then I believe at Martinsville in October is the third other time they're gonna do it. Speaking of Watkins Glen, I'm gonna be heading up there next weekend. Um got the uh Race of Champions modified race Saturday night at Shimong. And since I gotta be out there anyway, I'll just uh I, I got a credential from uh Chris Banker in the Focus Watkins Glen and uh, we'll be uh uh, roaming around Watkins Glen International on Sunday. Unfortunately, the show will not be live next Sunday. Couldn't get the uh, equipment from the folks here at Entercom. Uh, just uh, you know, with training camp and everything else going on, uh, I got the. Uh, I'm on the low end of the totem pole here at WGR, so couldn't can't, couldn't do the show live like we did for the IndyCar race last year. However, we will be uh, scouring the garage and uh, hopefully get you some good content, whether it's interviews for next Sunday's show. Or stuff for uh, the on-demand audio section and the website at wgr550.com. Just stay tuned. We'll, we'll have we will have a show next Sunday. It'll just be recorded, but hope you still tune in. Uh, we'll have some uh, line up some good interviews. Like I said, either I'm gonna do something during the week, or maybe if I can scramble and get some good stuff early Sunday morning and kind of package it together and send it back here to the studio, we'll do that. But uh, we'll be at Watkins Glen next Sunday, and uh, hopefully you stay tuned and and follow us on social media uh, just to get all the content uh, next weekend up there at Watkins Glen International. We come back, we'll hit the uh, local racing roundup. Lots of great action here around Western New York and Southern Ontario. Like I said, it's been a great weekend for it, and uh, today's looking to be uh, just as nice. So uh, we'll be back here to wrap up Fast Track on WGR. Hey, Race fans, it's Dave Buchanan for my friends at Batavia Downs. You need to discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination as they have over 800 of the hottest in-demand video game machines, and they're adding new titles all the time there at Batavia Downs. And not only can you go there... To Batavia Downs play those great video game machines. Of course, you can check out the live harness racing action and place wagers on that. You can check out their great restaurants. And now you can even spend the night there as they've got that fantastic hotel that uh, just opened up within the last year at Batavia Downs. Of course, my favorite part inside Batavia Downs is 34 Rush. That's Thurman Thomas' sports bar right inside Go in, grab yourself a bite to eat, grab a beverage, uh, check out Thurman's memorabilia, his Hall of Fame jacket, jerseys from when he played here in Buffalo, sports on all the HD TVs, baseball, racing, horse racing, of course, that you can wager on, uh, the big 15-foot projection screen for big sporting events as well, too and uh, you can do it all from right inside there at 34 Rush inside Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is open every day from 8 a.m. until 4 a.m., and you can't miss them. They're right off the New York State Thruway exit 48. And for more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on all their promotions, and discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's, area's premier entertainment destination, and tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track.
1: Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track.
0: We'll start far- Friday night Lancaster National Dragway. Frank Melvaso got the win in the Supercharged Bounty Hunters over Mike Zamuda. Mike Swinarski gets his second win of the year in Top 8. Alex Nolte's first win in Top ET. Reed Rickinson in Mod ET. Vic Puglia's former champion junior dragsters in Quick 16 now racing motorcycles. He got the win in bikes and sleds. And John Wacovitz getting the win in Street E T Freedom Motorsports Park on Friday night. The modifieds. Adam Hilton getting the win over Chad Brockman and Brad Rapp. Brad Rouse another sportsman win for him. Dennis Cumming Street Stocks. Holden Heineman getting the win in the mini stocks. Ransomville Speedway Friday night. Uh, lots of good racing, including in the modif- uh, in the modifieds with. Uh, Jesse Cottress getting the win, his second of the year. Jim Harbison, his first sportsman win. The Street Stocks had the John Susie Memorial, and what a race this was. Rob Murray and uh, uh, Chris Bailey, or Dave Bailey, excuse me, going at it for the win, and Rob Murray picking up the win after uh, Dave Bailey cut a tire with about two laps to go, but a great race. Cole Susie in the four bangers, and David Fingerlow got his first uh, novice sportsman win. Saturday Night Action at the Genesee Speedway. Zach Carley getting his third win of the year in the Crate Late Models. Andrew Smith getting his third win of the year in the Sportsman, Dave Dubois in the 360 late models, Byron DeWitt in the Street Stocks, Don Newton Jr. in the Mini Stocks, and Brooke McLean getting the win in the Bandits. Uh, Holland had an Enduro last night, Greg Krause winning that, and Bob Palmer getting the win in the Figure 8s. Lancaster National Speedway last night, Patrick Emerling getting the win in the Sportsman in a tight race at the end there with Tommy Catalano, won by half a car length. Catalano made up for it, though. He got a win in the late models in his uh, first uh, late model victory. Rich Sharp getting his eighth win of the year in the street stocks. And Bobby Woke getting his third win of the year in the uh, four bangers. Merrittville had a busy night last night. They had a uh, so, uh, to make up last week's uh, modified feature that was cut short by Rain. Matt Williamson won that one. Matt has got 12 wins this year, five at Merrittville and seven at Lernerville. Great year for him. Uh, the regular l- regularly scheduled 358 modified race, Chad Brockman getting by Larry Lampman on the last lap to win over him. Lampman, Rudolph, Tim Jones, and Ryan Soucy. Tony Kelly in the mini stocks. Rob Murray, second win of the weekend. He won in the Hoosier Shots. Brent Bigelow winning in both the Mod Lights and the Sportsman. Tonight, Humberstone Speedway, they've got a great show. All of their five regular classes, plus the crate sprints from Ashwik and Speedway. And uh, those are... Uh, that is a big uh, burgeoning class for the folks at Ashwikin Speedway, so they should have a good turnout. Speaking of Ashwikin, uh they, of course, had their big uh, sprint car races Monday, Tuesday. Kyle Larson won the 360 sprint car race on Monday, and then Tuesday ran with the World of Outlaws. Kyle uh, finishing fourth in that race. Logan Schuhart got the win uh, at, at Ashwikin on Tuesday night. Ryan Susie did a heck of a job, started 17th uh, in a 360 sprint and wound up finishing seventh with the uh, the 410 sprint cars there Tuesday at the and Speedway. Of course, last Sunday, uh, Ransomville was scheduled to run the World of Outlaws. And things were going fine till about, I don't know, quarter to six. And then Mother Nature just dumped on the track for about 20 minutes and kind of flooded the place out. So they have to reschedule. And that is going to be sometime in early to mid-October. There's a, a couple of weekends there early in October where the World of Outlaws will be kind of up back in the northeast. And uh, they're just looking to pick a date with the folks from Ransomville Speedway. So stay tuned on that. Uh, before we go and get get you to Sal and Nate over at Bill's train Camp, uh, round one of qualifying in the books at Pocono, uh, Martin Truex was fastest, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, Jamie McMurray, and um, uh, Eric Jones were the top five. Uh, a couple of cars had to bump in right at the last minute, including Dale Jr. and Danica, so they move on to round two. Eric Almirola was the first car out uh, of round one, so he will start 25th today, but they still have two more rounds of qualifying to go. To set the field for today's race at Pocono. Again, you can hear that right here on WGR starting at two o'clock. We'll talk to you next week from Watkins Glen. Whether it's, uh, like I said, uh, won't be a live show, but we'll either have some interviews from the Glen that morning, or uh, might just record something during the week. But either way, it should be a great show next Sunday. And then stay tuned on next Sunday to WGR550.com and our Twitter uh, Fast Track 550. We'll have lots of of content from the Glen uh, throughout the day. Uh, next Sunday as well too so I hope you tune in and uh, follow us as well too thanks for listening we'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR
1: you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details Hyundai there's joy in every journey